Pam Latoya Benton. Xavier Hill was my son. He was murdered by the newspaper fleet on January the 9th, 2021. He was murdered by DC Metropolitan, the police in their custody. He died in their custody and they claim that they don't know what happened. They had they had no business arresting him. This is Life After the Impact, a podcast for impacted families by impacted families that focuses on what happens after the media, the lawyers, and the activists are gone. Impacted families are left to face uh, the loss of a loved one who police sponsored violence. We will focus on their continued fight for justice and how you can get involved. Just walks away. Watch your police take another life today. Leave a loved one's torn to left to say candles burning. All we do is pray. The consent decrees is one part of a bigger strategy. There was a push for the DOJ to open investigations. There was the lawsuit. But not only was there the lawsuit, the lawsuit had policy pieces attached to it. The individual who ended the local ban on no-knock warrant, she became a city council member. The white judge who signed a no-knock warrant was removed by a sister who was an activist in the street. There were all of these shifts that happened in Louisville, Kentucky. And we always say, you know, protests, politics, policy. You got to keep graduating and building that movement out and really building power. And, and we realized that not only do we have to do we have to win justice for Breonna Taylor, but we had to take control of Louisville, Kentucky politically. Right. And we had to take control of the whole damn state. That's the next frontier of a lot of this work. It's like, OK, we need accountability. We need justice, but we have to build power okay. and we got to build a lot of political power because the individuals in office, some of them That's are not the ones. That's not the they ones. Ain't it. They ain't it. It's us. It's the individuals who you mentioned who are going to court. Yeah. Individuals who are standing up to police departments, standing up to DAs. We have the individuals in our community, and I see it around the country. That's what I saw in Louisville. It's like we have the answers. We just have to put power behind the answers. The individuals, yeah. That's right. And we can create yeah. so much change. Good evening. Uh, it's life after the impact. My name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name is Jamal Bird. He was murdered by um, DC Metropolitan Police October 1st, 2019. Um, I have with me my co-host, Latoya Benton. Hey, hey, Toya. How you doing this evening? Hey, 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 hey you all. My name is Latoya Benton. I am the mother of Xavier Hill. Xavier was murdered by two Virginia State Police at the age of 18. January the 9th, 2021. Um, unfortunately, we have another episode. You know, Ms. Brenda, we're great. We're on the heavy here tonight, but unfortunately, we do have another episode again. Um, we're here right after the impact. Ms. Brenda, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, please? My name is Brenda Bickerstaff. My brother Craig Bickerstaff was killed by Raymond Chipkins, a Cleveland police officer, on January 26th. Uh, 2002, and I've been advocating and fighting for my brother for 21 years. Wow. 
Well, we're we're honored to have you here this evening, Ms. Brenda. Tell us a, a little bit about um what happened with your brother and um in that fateful day. Well, he went over one of his friends' house. Um, he was on his way to go see his daughter in Akron. That's uh, another city like about 45 minutes from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So he went and woke his friend up seven o'clock in the morning. His friend said, man, get out of here. You're waking me up. He said, I came to get the taste. He's like, get out of here, blah, blah, blah. So my brother left. Um, someone called the police on my brother and said that he was trying to break in a car. But the car that he was driving was in my name. So he wasn't breaking in no car. So when the police got there, Raymond Chipkins and his partner, Antonio Matillo, they asked him to present his ID, the ID, put his hands on top of the car. He did. He complied. Then he tried to get away because he had a weapon on him. When he was trying to get away, they pulled his shirt over his head. He came out of his shirt and he threw his gun and it fell in the bushes. And when he threw his gun, his partner, Raymond Chick was partner, she said, oh, he got a gun. She put a gun out of her holster, but then she put it back in her holster. And the reason why is because he threw his gun away. So his, um, Raymond Chipkis, um, his defense was he was scared for his life. Well, why would you scared for your life when you wasn't, you was out of danger because the gun had been thrown. Mm. His friend was on the second floor and they was grabbing him and my brother was like, help me, help me, help me, Linnell. So Linnell looked down and said, get off my friend, get off my friend. So by the time he ran downstairs, he heard the shots. He went out there, my brother was laying in the grass. And he was like, you killed my friend, you killed my friend. And he was trying to fight the police and they handcuffed him. And Ooh. unfortunately, when I got to the hospital, I was at work, he died and he had the handcuffs on him mm. and he was dead. So right Ooh. then I knew it's on. Not only did they kill him, they didn't have the decency to take the handcuffs off of him, and he was already dead. Yeah. So for me, that was straight disrespect. And I need to say this too. My father was a police officer in Cleveland for 33 years. And mm -hmm. our father taught us, all of us, you never try to put a weapon on the police. That's why I asked his friend, Linnell, and I'm so glad Linnell told the truth because Linnell could have easily said he didn't have a gun. But Linnell said he had a weapon. I said, but he pulled a weapon on the police. He said, no, he threw it away. Mm -hmm. So if you throw something away, where is your, where's the danger? You yeah, had no cool. danger. Yeah, you wanted cool. to kill him and you shot him five times in the back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and I was 27 years old. Yeah, a couple of things that we don't we don't do on this on this particular podcast, we do not feel the need to defend a victim. Your brother was right. a victim. We don't feel the need because see, that's one of the things um cultural conditioning teaches us that we gotta defend our loved ones. Uh the the police did uh if somebody's fleeing, they are not a threat to you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's number one. Number two, the police's job is to do what? De-escalate. Right. Mm -hmm. Time and time mm -hmm. again, we see them 
escalate a crisis, then then they think they got to solve in a deadly way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we, we just want to set the table right up in here because we we done with all of that baloney that they keep trying to feed us. We we we, we done with that. We're about. Well, to- I, mean, I just tell the story, and this is yes. the same one I've always stated I understand but we've been conditioned as a group of people we've been conditioned to think that we we gotta gotta, do that you know my son was a a student he was a you ain't gotta uh well you know what my niece we did a a series here for trauma Mm -hmm. and my niece is a psychologist and she said that at one of the trauma series she said why do you have to have a resume that part why do you have to have a resume Exactly. Exactly. You don't. You don't. You don't. don't. And we're gonna stop doing that. Right? We like your niece. Your 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 brother was a human being, period. And he deserves to be like a human being, period. Full stop. Um so so moving forward from that point here. Mm -hmm. After that happened, because like I said, it was a while ago, 21 years. So we know social media is totally different. Uh, media is totally different. What happened? Um, was there any video, any video footage to be out there for at the public? Time, and what happened to the officers? Well, at that time, of course, none of that. So his friend, Lamel Williams, was the video and the eyes because he was there and he saw everything. So it was just that one part when he was running down the steps, he heard the shots. And when he got outside, my brother was dead. But Linnell pretty much seen 85% of what occurred. But of course, back then, no, no dash cam, nobody came. And then we had a witness that was across the street that seen everything. And he said that my brother at the time, when it occurred, did not have a weapon in his hand. He did toss his weapon. And he never uh, drew it on the police officer. What happened with the officer? Were they not indicted? The officer was not indicted. He only got fired. So what I have done in the later years, because I have a private investigation business now, I did open my brother's case back up. I did get some information where I found out that he lied on an affidavit and he admitted in a in a um another deadly shooting. He was involved in, he was questioning a deposition. And they asked him, did my brother draw a gun or was it of a size? And he said it was his size. So he said it wasn't the gun, it was his size. And he said, yes, it was his size. So he shot him because my brother was twice his size and he was a coward. So what I did, I took that information, turned it over to the uh, Northern District of Ohio, the district attorney. And told them, when you call me, don't call me and give me no update. Don't give me no type of update. The only thing I want to hear is that that officer has been indicted. Don't come and tell me nothing. Just bring the information when it happens. Don't leave me on. Don't give me no false hopes. And don't sell me no damn dream. (laughs) Because just like I knew, that my brother was murdered and Raymond Chipkins is a coward. Mm-hmm. 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 Go ahead, my friend. I'm sorry. 
I was going to say, once you were able to um, reopen um, the case to get that information, what did you do next? How, how did you proceed? Well, right now, I'm just waiting to see what they're going to tell me. Mm -hmm. I've given them the information, so I'm going to wait and see. But since then, uh, I've done this like within the last uh, couple of years. But prior to getting to this point, I've just been advocating for my brother, doing public speakings about my brother, doing public speaking about police brutality. Now we're in police reform, police accountability. They've never been held accountable. Here in Cleveland, it's been 100 years. Um, they've been trying to reform this department even with the time of Elliot Ness. It's been 100 years. So we have the consent decree here. However, what we did, we put a ballot initiative together, myself and some family members, Samaria Rice, Alicia Kirkman, Latanya Goldsby, Kareem Hinton, and Jennifer Blackney. So we put together a petition. We hired a lawyer. Our funders got us a lawyer. The lawyer put it into a legal form. We got collected signatures, got on the ballot, went out in the community, spoke to everybody about it so they could have information in the past. So now we have a Cleveland Police Commission that's going to be permanent because as we know, like I told um, Xavier's mom, Miss Hill, that when consent decrees leave, the police go back to the same behavior. Because what they say is, Hold on, don't give them too much real fast. Pause it. Don't give them too much real fast. I'm sorry. I want to back up real fast. And it's Benton, not Hill. It's Benton. Oh, um, I'm sorry, Benton. I'm sorry. No, totally okay. But um, no, because I think y'all, when we, we played the video um, before we got started um, from Angela, y'all were called a couple weeks ago. We were talking about consent decrees. So Ms. Brenda's kind of breaking down to y'all, uh, to the audience, what exactly, what kind of steps they took in order to get the consent decree. But they went a step beyond that. The issue is, is that when the DOJ, they'll say they have the consent decree right in front of for, I guess, XYZ years, and then they leave from that state, right? They made sure they put a, okay, they put a committee they, they in place. They leave from that city. They leave from, from the that city. city. From that city. They mm -hmm. made sure they got signatures to obtain, to conform a committee. I guess they're going to oversee that once they leave from that city. Is that right? Right. What, once the consent decree leave, we did this. So once our consent decree leave, the federal government leave, we'll have a permanent body in place that mm -hmm. will have power to be able to hold officers accountable for mm -hmm. misconduct. Because mm -hmm. misconduct leads to death. Absolutely. They started misconduct, then they keep getting away with it. That leads yeah. to them killing someone. Mm -hmm. That's right. So That's right. How were you all able to get a consent? agree well what happened was um we had 137 shots where the police gunned down a man and a woman timothy russell and melissa williams on the chase jumped on that hood right jumped on the car jumped on the hood that's right uh, shot them 137 times mm -hmm. then unfortunately after that was tamir rice who was 12 year 12 years old so um then obama the attorney general at the time Eric Holder said, you know what? I'm just tired of Cleveland getting away with this. So they brought in the Department of Justice. They did a, a they did an investigation. The investigation showed 
they their conduct was out of control. There was pride between the police and the community, and it was an issue. So they filed a lawsuit. Daryl Beck was the district attorney then. They filed a federal lawsuit. The city had to agree on the settlement, and it's a 100-page document that talks about the reform of the Cleveland Police Department. Okay. So... so so in that instance, did the federal government or the executive, I guess the Department of Justice, did they initiate the consent decree or was it- They initiated the consent decree. Okay. The, the um, district yeah, attorney general back, did. pardon me? You said the Department of Justice initiated the consent decree. The, the gentleman named uh, Dettelback, who was our district attorney for Ooh. the Northern District, he told them if you don't, comply with this settlement agreement, we're gonna sue you for these practices, bad practices, based on the investigation for this consent decree. So now well, our, just, our consent decree is a judge involved, his name is Solomon Oliver. So now they're under- On its own? Was that on its own or was that like community applied pressure? No, that was on its own. Through the Northern District Attorney, when he told them the city, he was going to file a lawsuit against them. So they entered into a settlement agreement. To avoid the lawsuit down against him. Say it again. Wanting to avoid the lawsuit against him. against him. You know, you're, you're, you keep fading in and out. You're found. To avoid the lawsuit getting filed against them. Correct. They had a settlement agreement, correct. Mm-hmm. So the settlement agreement is 100 pages. I can send you guys a copy. So you can take a look at it and I'll send you a copy of the Department of Justice DOJ report and their investigation. So now I wanna make something clear. The Department of Justice has been here four times. This is the first time that we got a judge. And usually when the Department of Justice have been here, they was here when my brother got killed in 2002. What they did, they made a recommendation. And the recommendation means nothing because what the Cleveland police did they accepted it and they went right back to the same behavior. Mm. And this happened multiple times. So mm. right now they're under a federal court order. So for us, the families, I said, this is a time that we can get what we're looking for, what we want. And we want a, a permanent commission. Now their commission was born out of consent decree. And that's where we got the idea from. We did our model from Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington has a good uh, commission with a consent degree. Mm. So what we did, we I pulled that information. We got together, myself, Samaria, Alicia, Latanya, Kareem, and uh, Jennifer. We got together. We wrote it up. Our, our funders hired an attorney. The attorney put it in legal language. Mm. And then what we did, we put it on the ballot. Um, we collected the signatures, got it on the ballot. We did um, community conversations on up until it's time for the vote so people can understand what they were voting for. Mm -hmm. And now we have a permanent commission. Now the other commission has been resolved, dissolved. That was dissolved with a consent decree. So on March 22nd, March 17, 2022, we went to a federal court hearing in the federal judge. The consent decree was modified and the new 
commission that was voted in by the people of Cleveland is incorporated in the consent decree now. Mm, okay. So since, um, so that was in 2022. Have right, you... it, it won in 2021, November okay. the 2nd. And it was, and it was actually put into place in 2022. They modified the consent decree and included the new Cleveland Police Commission. Now the old commission that was created under the consent decree, mm. that they dissolved that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So can I ask you, have you, um, are you um, a part of the ongoing um, monitoring? The families, and our, the families and I go mm -hmm. to the meetings and watch to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, we, we're having some problems with our commission. They need to focus on the charter and focus on the consent decree. So mm -hmm. when officers come before them, when officers come before them, they will be in the right direction on how to discipline them. But because right now they just like in a disarray, mm -hmm. they're not focused. And they we need to move them forward. And the issue is we're going into seven months. They got sworn in in December. They took their first, their first uh, meeting in January. And we got to get them to focus on what the voters vote them in for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we having a like a tug of war with them, but we're gonna keep working with them. Question: yeah. When you say like uh, they voted them in, when they voted them in, I guess for the uh, I guess commission board or whatever, um, was there a reason why, or could the community, or could not an impacted family member have been on that board as well when you guys like wrote that up? Okay, so well, this is the thing. What we did because we wrote it up and we promoted it, I suggested that we step down and not get on the board, but there is a young lady on the board that's representing families of gun violence, whether it's from the police or someone was killed with a non-police issue. So we do have that. So that was my idea. And I did that for a reason because I felt as though we could be more powerful not being on the board, but we can still critique them and have, have power to be able to influence them so they can do what they need to do. How often do they hold a hearing? They have meetings at, right now every two weeks because they're still in training. They have another meeting tomorrow on the 12th and then they have another meeting at the end of this month, I think on the 26th or the 28th. Okay, okay, okay. So um, what kind of things are you doing to ensure or to kind of put pressure on them to do what they were, um, you know. Well, um, it's a video I got to send you guys. It went viral. Mm -hmm. I had some words with one of the commissioners because she made a comment and said that the commission was in the back pocket of the four families, the four, the four families, that they're just not representing four families. So I told her to she better watch it and she better stop lying. Because in other words, you're suggesting and implying that we're bribing the commission, okay? So we did a press conference to ask her and to ask the mayor to remove her because apparently her vision is not where the vision needs to be. Right. So that's where, we, that's where we are with that. However, as I said in the press conference on June 30th, they need to study the consent decree 
and they need to study and learn the charter and they need to move forward because right now they're not fulfilling what the voters have voted them in for, okay? Mm -hmm. They're responsible for that. So we're gonna stay on them. Good, good, good. So um, can I ask you a question? Before you got involved with this, did you have any um, experience in this area with legislation and policy and police stuff? Yes, well, you know, I've been doing dealing with it for so long because like I said, I am a private investigator. And I do investigate cases where people are accused of crimes. And a lot of the crimes they're accused of are, are the, I have a lot of issues where it was misconduct with officers, mm -hmm. uh, putting, uh, you know, putting uh, wrongful convictions on people. I'm working on five wrongful convictions now where they've hidden Brady violations, uh, where they've lied on individuals, where they've uh, forfeited uh, um, falsification of affidavits. So I have a lot of experience in the legal profession mm -hmm. and understand how this works and what mm -hmm. to look for when I investigate the police because my forte is uh, uh, investigating police corruption. Oh, so cool. that's mainly what I do. Yeah, yeah. So what suggestions would you have for, you know, regular smegular people um, who want to do something similar in their um, negative with their region of the country, whether it's, you know, county or city or state? What would you suggest? You have to stay involved, stay engaged, ask questions. You got to do a lot of fact-finding. I'm going to give you this thing. It's called uh, Google Scholar. And you can go in there and put in keywords and oh, yeah. information and pull up cases and read it and stay on top <laughs> of the case law. Oh, I think sorry. she's asking you a little bit. I think she's asking a little bit beyond that, though. Not just for that. Um, we kind of covered it already. But she's actually more so when it comes to the consent decrees in our areas. What is the first step to take? You know, like we don't want to tell our audience to go to Google, Google, you know, Google Scholar. Oh, That's kind of like a broad just, spectrum, you know. No, I'm just giving them. You know, she was asking me personally, so I'm just giving her some information, some things you can do on your own now. Once again, as far as the consent decree is concerned, the, when the Department of Justice came to Cleveland, now a lot of our leaders have requested for it to come. Like, for example, the chief of police and the mayor at the time. And the mm -hmm. mayor at that time was uh, Frank Jackson. You also could go to your uh, state representatives and your Congress people and speak with them about having a consent decree coming in your city. Um, now moving on, on your situation, Ms. Um, Benton, far as the state of Ohio, I mean, I'm sorry, for the state where your son was murdered and it was Virginia, correct? You can, you can push for that. You know, you can push for that and ask them about, you know, get like the number of people that, that got killed in that state you can send them a letter or get a sit down with them or get a group of people, a group of family that's been impacted and meet with your congressman or your state senator and say, hey, these many people has gotten killed in the state of Virginia. There's a problem here. We feel that there's a problem and we want your support to get an investigation to come in and investigate them from the Department of Justice. So possibly we make it get a consent decree as well. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, 
if you don't get a judge over the consent decree, the investigation and recommendation is not going to do any good because what they're going to do is go back to the same behavior. Or you can follow what we did because Akron did and you could do a ballot initiative like we did and put the language together, hire an attorney to put it in legal form and get it on the ballot, collect signatures, get it on the ballot and uh, have a commission. You could do that as well. But it's going to be more powerful when you get the backing of the public of the voters. You're not going to be able to get the good backing of your local politicians like your um, councilmen. They're gonna they're, they're too much in each other's pockets. Facts, facts, facts. Well, well, thank you for all that information. And I'm hoping that our people in our audience who have a similar situations are listening, that you're not powerless. No. And we gotta we say this often, use all the tools, all the all tools. All the toolbox and um, all the tools in the toolbox, and so what we're in the um, process of doing is doing um, is building a system to defeat the system. You have uh, to in our loved ones. That's that's the only way to to fight this, right? Right, and the police can't investigate the police. It's not going to do any good. That's right. That's like the fox investigating the fox that ran in the hen house, right? Okay, and don't and let me let me throw this out there. The investigators that they use to investigate the police, they might say they're private investigators. Watch out for private investigators who was undercover investigator, but they used to be a police. Mm-hmm. That's still the police investigating the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I never, I don't have prior law enforcement. I've gotten police fired. You want to get someone, if you get a private investigator, make sure they are not a prior law enforcement officer because they are not going to do a good or a thorough investigation because it's still the police undercover investigating the police. All right. All right. We got some more tools to put in our toolbox uh, family. We thank you so much, um, Ms. Brenda, for this information. It's a lot to kind of digest and process. (laughs) It's a lot but it's not insurmountable. That's what I heard you say. Yeah, anytime, right? Mm -hmm. It's not insurmountable. It's not something that we can't um, make a plan and execute, right? Because if y'all were able to do it in Cleveland, you can do it in uh, Atlanta and get stoned. All over the country. Yeah, I was telling her part of that, you know, has to be when we come and have those, uh, these training courses uh, with each other, any, any state can learn from each other and it shouldn't be a matter of, we, we can't say we united and we're so divided when it comes to like certain things, right? And certain states get it here and they get it there whatnot. So how the hell are we United States? And only certain things happen in certain parts or whatnot. We, I want, that shouldn't be united across the damn board. And we got the decrees on this right region, we need to be over here too and teach us how do we get those things done. So. Like I told Ms. Brenda, maybe we can like, you know, set a course up and learn just the first step of what you got to do. Because she gave us like 10 steps. And you know how people rock out here. They don't want to take step number one. Right. Ms. Brenda, you gave them too much. You got to tell I'm them so what sorry. is the, no, the no, one thing good. they got to do. Tell them just give them one thing to do. 
you know? <laughs> but you know what? We we talked about this, Miss um, Benson. Remember, we talked about we should start having, because they have these, it's called NACO. And NACO is oversight, different oversight boards all across the country. Look it up. It's called NACO. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we went there like year before last. And remember, um, been, I said, we need to start having conventions because we're powerful in numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, we could probably have a Northern uh, convention, mm-hmm. a Southern convention, you know, things of that nature, because mm-hmm. that what we could do is when we have those conventions, do workshops about trauma, about information, and, you know, coming together as one unit because we are powerful in numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and the families have to learn this. And we spoke about this, that the families sometimes go at each other. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Stop. Stop. Right. We should have no beef with one another. Right. The beef is with the establishment, not us. Not us. And we and, and I preach this all the time, okay? Every time you cannot be a chief, sometimes you got to be an Indian. That's you it. have to learn that too, okay? A lot of times I'm not out in the forefront. Sometimes I got to stand back for other people to come up. Mm-hmm. Like when we do these marches and stuff in Cleveland, we talk about these families. It's not about this Craig Bickerstaff. It's about Angelo Miller, Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Pitkins. You know, people from back in the day up until today. Mm-hmm. So we just got to learn to just come together with this. And we got to mm-hmm. put away those them pettiness. That's got to go out of here because mm-hmm. there's no room for that. Because mm-hmm. the establishment wants that to keep us in divided so they that's, can conquer us. That's that part. They keep right us oppressed. That's right. That's right. So if they can keep us uh, disunified, they can keep us distracted. Exactly. On the, book, the stuff that they like to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We, we got to do because like here we have the Ohio Families Against Police Brutality yeah. out of Dayton. You know, yeah. we got to pull all these organizations and families together, yeah. you know. We, we just we have to do organizations for one purpose. Like, it's a thousand organizations for one purpose. For Why? one purpose. We got to sit under one umbrella. Get under one umbrella. We're fighting the same system. Right. It's the same system. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about you, Latoy, but I feel a little more encouraged getting some more information, mm-hmm. getting some more tools to put in our box. We're going to dissect it. We're going to pare it down. We're going to uh, process it, chew it up a little bit and see how we can pass it out to everybody else. And give it out to everybody else. And, and um, I am encouraged, Ms. Brenda, I'm encouraged that we are going to be more unified instead of disunified because it is, um, it's imperative. It's either we, it's, do, it's either we unify or we die. It's just, it's, 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 it's critical. Time. It's critical. We it's, it's critical. critical time. It yes. Is, yeah, it's time are we in the middle of a war. We don't have time for petty people, petty talking or petty nothing. You know, if you ain't about, about fighting for justice, miss me with all of that so anyway yeah <laughs> yeah we, uh we thank you once again we're like we're you know a little bit over time but that's okay uh we thank you once again for coming and sharing your knowledge um because knowledge is also power right yeah knowing how to do stuff is power and um and family you know we we may not have a particular action this evening but the mm-hmm. action is well 
who who your state senators are. I mean, your state ones. Right, right. Who your state ones? The state. We have uh, Nikki Antonio. Uh -huh. I'm gonna tell you, Nikki Antonio, and I just called her the other day. Mm -hmm. I don't see you. <clears throat> we don't see you. What's up? So where you at? Yeah, where you at? Y'all just said where you at? Where you at? Yeah, where you at? So we're going to challenge our audience this evening to look up who your state representatives are and give them, shoot them, shoot them a text or shoot them an email. I know y'all like, we always, yeah, because we about that action, right? And so, yeah, find out who they are, shoot them a text. What, what, what's, what's going on? What are you doing in that for our um, the citizens um, in our state as it relates to police violence? Exactly. What they say. Because you know what? The big thing that we got to get is the qualified immunity. Yeah. The qualified immunity protects them. Yeah. If we strip that, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim it and say when we strip that, yes, they're gonna go to prison like anybody else. Yes. Yes. Right. Tonight, uh, like Roxanne just said, we don't have a call of action, but we had a um, I would say this is more so educational than anything. As y'all can see, you, we've heard about the word consent decrees, but we also learned tonight about you can actually have a, um, I would say a commission board, as Ms. Brenda would say, mm -hmm. within the consent decree to make sure that when DOJ leaves, they're going to still enforce what it's in there they're going to do. As, that, as uh, Martin Luther King said, I, think I, want, I don't want to misquote him, but he, I want to say something like uh, to the words, uh, make good what you said on paper, America. Yeah. And that's the exact same thing. They put it on paper, hold them to their word. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, mm -hmm. thank you again, Miss Brenda. Thank you for having me. Yes. This has been Life After the Impact. Find out who your state representatives are. Peace. Peace, family. Bye. Oh, she only have it on for half hours. One of the challenges that we realize there's not enough decrees happening around the country. And most of the names, people don't know. Yeah. So I think we have to go to the DOJ in force and say to them, listen, we got thousands of names. And we believe these names are connected to patterns in local law enforcement that's going unchecked. And we know more individuals are going to die because of it. Because the consent decrees, again, like that happened after Rodney King. And different administrations, will, and the Trump administration came in and they ended them. So we really need something in place that takes the consent decrees to the next level. The community of individuals and families who, who hold these names near and dear have to go to the DOJ and make this a priority. And I think it also gives us the ability to begin to think and organize together. Because yeah. people have to realize the the gravity of what we're dealing with. We're dealing with folks being lynched in 2023. And really? not only are we dealing with folks being lynched, we're dealing with folks being black folks being lynched predominantly with no accountability, no, no recourse, no. nothing left to deal with that trauma, right? Yeah. But we need to talk about what the next level of pressure and accountability looks like because I think we have to go beyond consent decrees as well.